Welcome to Know Your Bible, a program presented by the Churches of Christ and devoted to helping you understand God's Word. The Bible is a book inspired by God that contains answers to your questions. The Bible reveals Jesus and explains His sacrifice, contains God's plan for the family, and timeless principles of parenting. Also has the truth about life and death. The Bible contains great financial advice and also answers questions of morality. Join us as we look for answers to your questions and help you know your Bible. Good morning. Welcome to Know Your Bible. We're glad you're back this week as we study some more of your questions. Hopefully we get to your questions today. If you're a longtime viewer, you know that's what we do here is answer viewers' questions. Phone number and a website are on the bottom of the screen. You can use those anytime. Get in touch with us and we let you tell us what you'd like us to talk about on Know Your Bible. A lot of folks on uh, TV uh, tell you what they think you need to know and we found it's much easier to just let you ask and uh, you know what you've always wondered about. You know you have always wondered this verse, does it really mean that or is this topic really in the Bible? Uh, so we let you tell us what you'd like us to discuss and hopefully you know your Bible a little bit better after uh, we've answered some of your questions. So that's what we do here. Let us know anytime what you'd like us to talk about. Let me introduce my partner here, Toby Levering. Hi, Toby. Good morning, Steve. Glad you're here and studied up and ready to go. And uh, we've got some good ones coming <coughs> up today, but we always start with one for our viewing audience. So if you've got a little bit of biblical knowledge here, mm -hmm. see if you know this one. How old was Moses when he died? And we'll give you the answer to that at the end of the program. We'll see if you and your family know that one. Toby, I think you drew the first one today, so you can get us started. Didn't get a little Hebrew language question. A viewer <laughs> asked the question, in Genesis, yom can mean day or age. So why couldn't God have used evolution to create the world? Uh, well, I'll start by saying I don't I, you know, I never like to use the phrase, God couldn't, and I like to use those words together. Uh, I don't sure we say that a lot on this program. Uh, when you're asking about the specific issue, uh, you, first you ask about the word yom, which is a Hebrew word, and some of our viewers, uh, probably most of our viewers, not too familiar with Hebrew. Uh, this is the word, we'll show it on the screen, of the Hebrew text of the word yom, or I'll think we'll show it on the screen. Uh, <laughs> anyway, the, uh, the Hebrew word there, as the viewer uh, correctly said, sometimes it's interpreted as the English word day, and sometimes and in the very small minority of time, it can use to be used to mean a longer term of time. English has many more ways, many more descriptors. Hebrew is a much smaller language. Uh, most of the time within the Bible, the word yom refers to 24-hour periods. Uh, that's just a fact. You go through and look the occurrences within the Old Testament, and you'll see that this word, uh, whenever it occurs there on the screen, uh, is usually referred, it's usually described by a number, the first day, second day, and it's always referring to, uh, in those cases, a period of literal 24-hour days. Um, However, the reason that this question comes up is not but because of a language interpretation, but rather because of a scientific, uh, specifically the theory of evolution. 
And when you work on that theory, the only way for that theory to work properly is for you to have lots and lots, billions and billions and eons and eons of, of time for these very slow, minute changes to, to, to happen as the, the theory of evolution proposes. Well, uh, that's a problem if you look at the biblical account. It doesn't seem to, uh, the creation account doesn't seem to give any sort of clue uh, that there are eons and eons and uh, billions of years and so forth. And so what's happening is we're seeking to make the Bible fit into our previously held worldview. And that's always dangerous. Now, I, I'm going to stop and say the Bible doesn't tell us the exact age of the earth. And some people have tried to figure it out. But there's a few gaps in even the biblical account and not enough detail for us to get a precise measurement. So I'm not saying here that we can uh, determine the precise age anyway. Uh, but just taking the word, the Hebrew word yom, and saying, well, sometimes it can mean eons and ages, is really, really bad exegesis, especially when you look at Genesis. Um, Genesis chapter 1, verses 4 and 5 describes each day as having a morning and an evening. Uh, if it meant vast spans of time, it certainly wouldn't require this descriptor of a morning and an evening. Uh, and every other time, Outside of Genesis 1, when it's morning and evening, no one questions that the word means 24 hours. Uh, so you can't consistently apply. You just have to say, well, in this specific case, it must have meant billions and billions and eons and eons of time because that's the only way uh, that creation could have happened. Well, okay, we're applying the Bible backwards, in my opinion. We're, we're trying to adapt our worldview to the Bible instead of, uh, or trying to adapt the Bible to our world view. Uh, think about it this way. Um, was, uh, did the Sabbath rest that uh, the Bible refers to, uh, the seventh day, was, was that a Sabbath thousands of years or billions of years or an eon of rest? Uh, no, it doesn't make sense. Was, was Jonah in the belly of the great fish for 3,000 years? Uh, was Jesus uh, in, the, in the tomb for 3,000 years? And, uh, no, it, it doesn't make sense. We understand that. We understand that there, in many more instances, the word uh, means a literal 24 hours. So uh, that's the way it's largely interpreted. That's the way I believe Genesis 1 in the context you look at. It's the descriptors of uh, first and second day. It's the descriptors of morning and evening. I think these all point to a uh, 24-hour day. Uh, the larger problem is God's word, the authority or not. Are you going to accept what it says or not? And so uh, don't, anytime you get into that spot where you're beginning to question the authority of God's word and what it means, that's problematic. We'll finish by reading Exodus chapter 20, verse 11 together. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now you ask, why couldn't have God used evolution? I say, why couldn't he have created it in six days? And I believe he did, if you look at the Genesis account. All righty. Thank you, Toby. We're going to, let's just stay in the Old Testament while we're here. We've got a good. viewer that wants to know <laughs> uh, about where everybody came from. Uh, where did all the races and nationalities come from <clears throat> after Noah? Well, our viewers figured out that much and got that correct. Uh, of course, we all started with Adam and Eve, and Eve was the mother of all living. Uh, but then the earth got so wicked that God decided to destroy it and only found eight righteous people and saved them in the ark. So Noah, his three boys, and their wives uh, were who came through the flood, and we started over again. Uh, obviously, that's where everybody 
came from. Uh, but our viewer wants to know, well, where'd all the different races come from? How do people look different and speak different and all of that? Uh, we tend to think about races a lot differently than the Bible does. Uh, we think of races as almost a different species, it seems like, uh, and want to make them so separate. The Bible doesn't say anything like that. The Bible talks about mankind. The Bible talks about humans uh, and all the men on the earth. It does talk some about tribes, and uh, that's all mostly tied to religion. Uh, but as far as nationalities and all that, especially in the New Testament, it doesn't think about people that way. It talks about us as humans. And scientists understand that because there's almost no difference in DNA between any race of people. Uh, I forget the exact percentage, but just almost totally our DNAs are exactly the same. There's a few very, very little differences, and uh, they have to do with some outward appearance, and that's about it. So we're humans, we're mankind. Now, we still recognize that there's differences in people. Uh, I think it happened uh, personally at the Tower of Babel. Let's read that passage and see what God did. If you remember the story in uh, Genesis 11, God told them after they got off the ark to separate and go all over the earth and populate the earth. Man started to assemble around the town called Babel and they were going to make themselves special and build a tower up to heaven. And God said to Jesus and the Holy Spirit, come, let's go down and there confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth. Uh, he broke up the party at Babel. He, they weren't going to stay there and make a great nation of themselves. He wanted the earth populated. Now, I think the last part of that verse where he said that God dispersed them over the face of all the earth, I think there's the key. Not only, I, I know he uh, disrupted their languages where all of a sudden people couldn't talk to each other. So they assembled in the groups that they could talk to, and they went somewhere where they had their own language and talked the same. I think probably God changed some other things there. Uh, it says he dispersed them. I think he probably made them look a little different and changed a few other things that we call today races so that they would assemble in different areas. Now, uh, it could have come from the three boys. That's a possibility. And uh, some differences could have come from Shem, Ham, and Japheth that came off the ark. Uh, Ham could have been a much darker complexioned uh, young man than the other, uh, other two. Uh, he could have fathered the dark races uh, that went south into Africa and all of that. Uh, that could have happened. Uh, but And people could have adapted to their area. If you live in so, southern Africa, you're going to get darker skin than if you live in Alaska. So, uh, some of it could have been adapted that way. But I think God dispersed at the Tower of Babel. I think that's where all the differences came from and where what we call today races and nationalities came from. Don't we? All right. Uh, the next uh, question that you were asked is about a religious term. Please give me the verse. <clears throat> where Jesus was called reverend. Well, I don't know that I can give you a verse where Jesus was called reverend. Uh, actually, in uh, any English translation that I could find, the word reverend wasn't used uh, specifically as a uh, religious title. Uh, wor the word reverend itself means worthy of great honor. 
So that title would apply to Jesus, but it just wasn't one that was applied. I'm not even sure the word existed uh, when Jesus uh, lived and walked on the earth. Um, so he, Jesus would have fit that definition, and probably the closest th word that would have come to the idea uh, is when they called him rabbi or Lord. Uh, we know Jesus as Lord because He's, you know, Creator before Him. All things were created by Him. All things were created and so forth. But when they applied the word Rabbi and Lord, when, when the disciples were talking to Him, uh, that was a, a title of esteem that you uh, gave to someone who you respected very much. I don't know if they would go to say, uh, so far to say as they revered that person. Um, but uh, reverend in today's re religious work, world is just a title uh, given uh, by various men and women uh, by other men and women. And I don't think it's appropriate uh, because it really means to one who's worthy of honor and worship. And if we read the scriptures, the Bible is very clear that God alone, Jesus alone are worthy of our uh, worship and our true honor. So we've got to be careful with giving titles. They lead to pride. They lead to thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought to. Um, and uh, we are all very equal in terms of who we are and that we are sinners in need of a Savior. Uh, Jesus warned uh, against the use of religious titles. And uh, he was specifically warning them against this uh, elevating human beings you know, to various levels and uh, the, the danger that comes with that. Let's look at Matthew chapter 23, verses 8 through 11, where he says, But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, and you are all brothers. And do not call anyone on earth father, for you have one father, and he is in heaven. Nor are you to be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Messiah. The greatest among you will be your servant. Now, Jesus is not... Um, saying that those words are bad in of themselves. He's saying the problem is giving religious titles, giving more reverence and worship and honor to men who are and women who are just as sinful as everyone else. That's the problem. So Jesus warned against that, and uh, we certainly ought to be careful with that ourselves. So hope that helps. Thank you, Toby. Let me take this moment to talk about a good way to study the Bible. And I know we study the Bible for 30 minutes here each week, but uh, there's a lot more in the Bible than we can ever get to. So we advocate home Bible study, and we help you with that by providing some free Bible study materials. We're happy to send those to you and let you work on them on your own, in your own home, with your own Bible, at your own pace. And uh, you can go as fast or as slow as you want, but uh, you'll learn a lot about the Bible. If you take uh, some of these courses that we have to offer, you see the first one on the screen now. There are eight lessons in it, and it takes you through the Old Testament and the New Testament in the first couple of lessons, so you understand the, the difference between those. And then it goes into some other topics that help you understand the Bible. And when you're done with those eight, uh, you've got a pretty good grounding. You understand the basics of the Bible, and uh, you may feel like you're ready for some more advanced study, and we've got some courses to help you with that. So. Uh, feel free to call that phone number, get on the website, tell us you'd like that free course. We'll send you lesson number one, and if it's uh, something that helps you and you enjoy, finish it, uh, fill in the blanks, and return it to us, and uh, we'll get you back uh, a second lesson, and you can just keep studying right on through uh, with a lot of Know Your Bible study material. So give us a call if you want to study that, and we'll get it started. 
All right, question from a viewer about her mother, or his mother, I'm not sure who called it in. Uh, my mom passed away years ago. I don't know if she was baptized. Uh, did she go to heaven if she wasn't? Well, uh, we get calls every once in a while about did this person go to heaven, did that person go to heaven. The Bible doesn't tell us about anybody except a couple as far as I know. Uh, the rich man and the story of the rich man and the beggar Lazarus, it clearly pictures him in a place of torment. Uh, so I'd say he probably ended up in hell, pretty good odds. And then Judas, uh, Jesus talked about him and said he was the son of perdition and he was destined uh, for that place and he went where he belonged. Uh, so I would advocate that Judas went to hell. Uh, but other than that, the Bible doesn't tell us the outcome of anybody. Well, I guess it tells us a couple that went to heaven early, but uh, beyond that, doesn't tell us who went to hell. So my point is, uh, we're not going to answer that question because we don't know. Uh, we haven't been appointed judge uh, on that. Jesus is the judge. He's going to take care of it. And I trust Him to handle it absolutely perfectly. Uh, a lot of people come up with hypothetical cases. Well, what if? This person was ready to be baptized and the truck hit them on the way to the church and they couldn't. And God's going to handle that. Uh, he knows exactly what their heart was. He knew what they had believed. He knew what they had been taught. Uh, he knows everybody's mind and heart. He will not make one mistake on Judgment Day, I can guarantee you. Uh, but I can't tell you about your mother. Now, what I can do is, what we're charged to do is teach the truth that Everything in the Bible that talks about salvation uh, says that people who hear the Word and believe it, confess that Jesus is Christ, repent of their sins, and are baptized, it says they will be saved. So that's what we teach repeatedly on this program. That's how we answer, uh, what do I need to do to be saved, and all of that. Uh, my advice about your mother and her condition at death, uh, I'll probably refer you to the old story in the Old Testament about David. David's first son with Bathsheba was a baby and he was sick and dying. And David stayed in his room. He wouldn't come out. He wouldn't eat anything. He just prayed and cried the whole time and watered his couch with his tears and his servants couldn't get him to eat anything. Uh, and then they came and told him that his son had died. And David got up. He washed his face. He put on new clothes. He said, it's time for dinner. And all of his servants were just shocked. They said, what's this change for? And he said, well, while there was a chance of him living, uh, I could do something about it. I could pray and mourn and all of that. Uh, but now, he said, the only thing I can do is get ready to go where he is. All I can do is prepare myself to go to heaven. So uh, we can't do anything about our ancestors, about what they knew or didn't know or how they responded to the truth or didn't. Uh, we'll trust God to take care of them, and uh, all we need to do is take care of ourselves. And when we hear what God says, obey it and do it. So uh, I understand your distress and your wondering, uh, but that's not what your mother would want you to worry about. She'd want you to worry about uh, what you do and how you respond. Uh, suppose there was some medicine that's been discovered since your mother died, and if she would have known about it, uh, she could have lived a few more years. Well, she wouldn't want you worrying about that. Uh, she would want you to take the medicine if you needed it. So 
just think about that. Think about today and uh, your future. Prepare to go to heaven and I uh, hope that God has granted her entry there. Toby. A viewer has a question about their baptism and they mm -hmm. ask, should I be baptized again since I didn't understand anything when, when six weeks old? And well, I appreciate the question. Uh, first, let me start by saying that you ought to be very appreciative because you obviously had a mother and father who took seriously uh, their charge to raise you up in the Christian faith and do their best, and they consider that very important. Uh, to answer your question directly, yes, you should be baptized. My, my guess is if you were an infant, you were probably sprinkled, which technically isn't baptism at all. It's just sprinkling. Uh, there's different words, and baptism means to go under the water. Um, and now, uh, and uh, as you say, you didn't understand anything at all, and uh, and more more to the point, you weren't mature enough. Uh, having faith in Christ means you are able to understand sin, that you're able to repent of sin, that you're verbally able to confess that you believe with your heart and, and have a, a mental understanding of what you believe in your heart, and then uh, uh, to, to put yourself or to, to be immersed uh, into Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And uh, if you're thinking about that, I would definitely encourage you to do that. Uh, and uh, you can call the 800 number and we can help find you a church who would be glad to study with you and help you do that. Uh, and I appreciate very much the question. Uh, certainly none of the things that we need to follow Christ and to be a disciple of His, uh, any of us are, no, none of us are capable of doing those things at six weeks of age. We appreciate that your parents uh, started on the right uh, track and, and headed in the right direction and, and wanted you to have a life that was godly and God-fearing and submissive to His Word and, and God-centered, that's a very wonderful thing. But now that you understand uh, more fully what the Scripture says about how to become a Christian, I want to encourage you to do those things today. Uh, let's look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, which says, Without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. Now that you understand that, I, I hope that you'll take some action and, and let us help you if we can in any way. All righty. Got a viewer that uh, wanted to correct an answer we had a while back, and the viewer says, You called Judas the son of perdition. Why? The Bible clearly states that Satan is the son of perdition, the only one who will perish. Well, the Bible doesn't clearly state that. In fact, it doesn't state that at all, really. So I don't know where you've heard that or where you've been taught that, but uh, let me give you two verses to read, and I think maybe you can figure out why uh, I call Judas the son of perdition. Uh, these are the two verses you need to read. Second Thessalonians 2.3, uh, this term son of perdition or uh, doomed to destruction or whatever the translation might say is in two verses. Second Thessalonians 2 Thessalonians 2.3 and there it's talking about Satan or the Antichrist perhaps one way to read it. Uh, but Satan's the man, the, the son of perdition. So you're right there. Uh, he is doomed to destruction. But go read John 17.12 and you'll see why I included Judas. Uh, John 17.12 clearly states uh, that Judas is also called a son of perdition, a man who was doomed to destruction. And Jesus later says he, was, he went to his place, the place where he belonged. So uh, read John 17, 12. You'll find out that Judas was also a son of perdition. Let me take just a moment and invite you to visit a church of Christ near you. We are 
put on the air by the Churches of Christ, sponsored by them. And we like to mention a few each week that help us stay on the air. Uh, so this week I want to talk about the one up in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Uh, one of our newer markets, and the folks up in uh, Sioux Falls are great supporters, great partners of this program. Uh, if you live in or around Sioux Falls or are passing through some Sunday, um, plan your trip so you can stop there and visit and worship with these folks. A uh, great bunch of folks there. I know they'd warmly welcome you. If you're searching for a church home, you'd find a group of people that uh, study and think about the Bible a lot like we do on Know Your Bible. Of course, any market that you're watching from, there would be a Church of Christ near you if you're looking for a, a church to visit. And even if you aren't, uh, you know somebody at a Church of Christ near you, uh, tell them thanks for us. Uh, tell them that you appreciate them keeping us on the air. All right, Toby, got a question about Solomon. Yeah, uh, somebody wants to know about Song of Solomon. Why was the Song of Solomon written? If you read through the Old Testament, you come upon this Hebrew book of poetry and you think, whoa. <laughs> Uh, it is, uh, it's a pretty uh, steamy book, shall we say. And you think, why is this in there? Well, I, I think it's a good question, and it sort of breaks through some of our paradigms a little bit. Uh, the book is a powerful, detailed, very detailed description of the romantic, erotic love between uh, Solomon and his wife. And it's, very, it's pictured in, in a very picturesque, poetic song and imagery. Um, and I think there are three basic lessons that we learn. Uh, number one, love is powerful. It's the most powerful um, uh, emotion and feeling that God gave us, and it moves us to act. And it also affects how we treat those who we care for and love ourselves. Number two, God is good. Uh, he created sexual relations to be enjoyed between a man and his wife. There's nothing wrong or shameful about that. Uh, God was the creator of, of sex, and the sexual relationship between a husband and wife is what he intended for procreation, for recreation, to be enjoyed joy because he is good and he loves us. And number three, uh, sexual immorality is just a poor substitute for what God had in mind. So lots of good lessons. I encourage you to read it and think a little more about how you love your spouse. I hope you love them well. All right, thank you. We got a funny question here. Viewer wants to know, is there comedy in the Bible? Uh, I want to listen to certain comedians. Is that a sin? So I guess this viewer is asking, is comedy all right? Uh, can can you watch comedy and that be fine, or listen to comedy and that be fine? Uh, there are funny things in the Bible, but it's not a humorous book, I guess. It's a history of how God created the world and redeemed man and all that. It's kind of a heavy subject. Uh, to be joking around about a whole lot. So there's not much funny in there. But Jesus was funny sometimes. Jesus talked about somebody with a, a log in their eye looking for sawdust in other people's eyes and all that. So it was humorous in that way. But uh, I, I don't think it's a funny book. It's not against comedy. And I think that's the heart of your question is can you watch comedy? I think there's a lot of comedy you can watch. But let me give you one uh, warning here and let's read Ephesians 5 together. If you're a Christian, Paul told Christians, uh, sexual immorality and all impurity or covetous must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness nor foolish talk nor crude joking which are out of place. So 
that describes most comedians. Uh, there are clean comedians, and you can find some to listen to that are funny and clean, uh, but a lot of them we need to stay away from as Christians. So I hope that, that helps you. Let's get our trivia question answered today. How old was Moses when he died? And the Bible says he was 120 years old when he came to his end. We're glad you've been with us today. We don't have time for any more questions, but we'll be back next week, and we hope you have a great week. Know Your Bible has been presented by the Churches of Christ in your area. Churches of Christ are non-denominational and each congregation is an independent group of Christians seeking to do God's will. Our goal is simple New Testament Christianity. We follow the Bible as our only guide. Contact us with any questions and we encourage you to visit a Church of Christ near you.